are listening to the sermon podcast of Covenant Presbyterian Church. We are a community in Madison, Wisconsin, who gathers to worship, to learn, to serve, and to grow together in God's love. Please visit us online at www.covenantmadison.org, where you can find information about Covenant Ministries, as well as links to our online worship services and sermon podcasts. Good morning, saints. Oh, you learned from the last time I was here, didn't you? (laughs) I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Amen? Amen. All right. You guys got it. Uh, I'll warn you, buckle up. This may be a bumpy ride for you and uncomfortable at times. When I started preparing for this sermon, I thought about a time when I was at my grandmother's church in Louisiana. Chestnut, Louisiana, at St. John Baptist Church. It was homecoming Sunday. And for some reason, well, maybe I should tell you guys, those of you who don't know about homecoming service at a missionary Baptist church, African-American in the South. (laughs) The Holy Spirit shows up, (laughs) y'all. On this particular Sunday, I was sitting by one of the church mothers, Sister O.T. Mahoney Scott. The only way a child would be sitting by her is if during Sunday school that child had been eating candy, unwrapping candy, chewing gum, or hitting someone. Now me, I can't remember doing any of that stuff. (laughs) But on this Sunday, I was sitting by Mrs. Scott, and as I rose, stood up to go to get into the collection line and go around, Sister Scott noticed a young lady had just put her money in this offering basket. And she looked around at me with a smug look on her face and did a head nod to the lady. And she said, look at her. Came in looking like Zuella, strutting like Jezebel now. I didn't know Jezebel, but I sure wanted to strut like her. (laughs) Now, I can remember this lady very well. She had on a pencil dress, gray. She had on gray pumps. She had a gray clutch bag, and she had a pill box hat. And Angie, you know, I would think that was cute, didn't <laughs> And I thought that was very, very cute, but Sister Scott did not think so. But I went home, and I practiced that. I wanted to walk just like Zoella. So I practiced, and when I thought I had it right, I went to my mom, and I said, Watch me. She said, do what? I said, strut like Jezebel. <laughs> she said, not my house, you won't. <laughs> Since then, I have come to understand my mother's concern about me wanting to strut like Jezebel. According to cultural stories, slave masters blamed enslaved girls and women for the slave master's crime of rape. The portrayal of black women, which is the intersectionality of being black and female, well, the portrayal of black women as lascivious by nature is an enduring stereotype. Historically, white women as a category have been portrayed as models of self-respect, self-control, modesty, and even sexual purity. But black women were often portrayed as innately promiscuous, even predatory. This depiction of black girls and women is signified by the name Jezebel. 
When Kamala Harris, the VP of these yet to be United States, uh, United States uh, was called a Jezebel by some Southern Baptist ministers from the state of Texas. <laughs> I was appalled and very curious. Who is or was this Jezebel of the Bible? Jezebel's story was recorded more than 200 years after her death in the books of 1 Kings and 2 Kings. I'm not going to read all of that to you today, even though I got a good storytelling voice, but I won't read all of that. But I do need to put it in context of the text. The Reverend Dr. Freddie Haynes always says, text without context is pretext, and text taken out of context is just a con. <laughs> the major characters of the story that I will focus on today are Ahab, Elijah, and Jezebel. Ahab was king of Israel. He began his reign in about 871 BC and was the seventh king of Israel. Israel was a monotheistic nation ordered to worship one God, Yahweh, and Yahweh only. In addition to the economic and political interests of the kingdom, God commanded the kings of Israel and Judah to refrain from idolatry. If they did not, God's prophet, and in our story, Elijah, announced judgment on them. Ahab did as kings before him had done, evil in the sight of God. Jezebel was a Phoenician. She was a princess and held positions of leadership and welded a lot of power in her country. Phoenicia was a polytheistic culture and their deities of worship were Baal and his female consort Astarte. Jezebel enters Israel's story through an arranged marriage with King Ahab. This marriage sealed the alignment between Israel and Phoenicia to protect their shared economic and political interests against Assyrian colonization. We understand colonization, yes? Okay. She was met with opposition to her polytheistic worship by the prophets of Israel, and especially Elijah. With this context in mind, I will read the text for this sermon. I will be reading from 1 Kings 16, 29 through 33, and 1 Kings 21, 25 through, 30, 25 through 26. If it is your custom to stand while the reading of the word is read, please feel free to do so. And the reading should be on the screen. Ahab reigned for 22 years, but he was even more wicked than his father Amri. He was worse than any other king of Israel. As though that were not enough, he married Jezebel, the daughter of King Ithbaal of the Sidonians, which is Phoenicia, and then began worshiping Baal. What did he do? I'm glad you asked. First, he built a temple and an altar for Baal in Samaria. Then he made other idols and did more to anger God, anger the Lord of Israel than any other kings of Israel before him. Then I would drop down to the 21st verse. No one else was so completely sold out to the devil as Ahab. Why? What did he do? Well, his wife, Jezebel, encouraged him to do every sort of evil. 
He was especially guilty because he worshiped idols, just as the Amorites did, the people whom the Lord had chased out of the land to make room for the people of Israel. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Please pray with me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my ways. And if you find anything destructive in me, take it out, cast it away. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, for you are my strength and my redeemer. Hide me behind the cross. Speak, Lord, for your people are listening. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now, I'm going to need you to work with me. I want this side to ask a question, and I want this side to answer it. Now, when you ask the question, I want you to do it like I do it, with attitude, okay? <laughs> and when you respond, I want you to do it with attitude, okay? I'm going to tell you your question, and you answer first, and then I'll point to you when it's time to do it. The question is, redeeming who? The answer is Jezebel, okay? Attitude, remember that? Okay, you're on board now. <laughs> Buckle up. Get ready for the ride. These verses introduce the Jezebel story and suggest that Ahab would not have served God's had it not been for the influence of his wife Jezebel. These verses don't give us details of how or why she influenced him. The legend of Jezebel paints her as a despicable person. So much so that in Revelation, we're given warning about the Jezebel spirit. And if you search YouTube and the internet, you will find blogs, articles, and even sermons explaining how to identify the Jezebel spirit and how to inoculate yourself from it. But what exactly does the verses tell us about Jezebel? She was a princess. She became a queen. She was a foreigner. She was an influencer. What's so despicable about that? Marcus Borg, from his book, Reading the Bible Again for the First Time, says, as we read the Bible, we should not only bring our critical intelligence with us, but also to listen. Now, as I read Jezebel's story, as if for the first time, I listened to Jezebel. And I actually had empathy for her. Think about it. She was in an arranged marriage in a foreign land, away from her culture, her family, and her friends. The Hebrew Bible tells us that the Israelites were an ethnocentric and xenophobic people. We recognize that, yes? Foreigners were often unwelcomed, and intermarriages were frowned upon with overt prejudice. Phoenicia was a beautiful land along the seacoast. Israel was inland, an arid desert land. In contrast to the familiar gods and goddesses she was accustomed to worshiping, Baal and Astarte, Israel is home to a state religion featuring a lone deity interpreted as male. Phoenician women enjoy enormous liberty in their country and were considered the equals of men. Coming from a place where she had full agency, she finds her new homeland one of patriarchy. 
Her husband, Ahab, has no loyalty to his God of Israel. Jezebel was faithful and devoted, but just not to the God of Israel. Let me be very, very clear. Jezebel did not, did not import pagan gods into Israel. Baal worship was already well established there. It was Ahab's responsibility, just as the kings before him, to observe God's covenant and laws. Deuteronomy 17, 18 through 20 says, now it shall come about when he, he the king, sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself a copy of this law on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priest. It shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life. Why? That he may learn to fear the Lord his God by carefully observing all the words of this law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted up above the countrymen, and that he may not turn aside from the commandments to the right or to the left, so that he and his sons may continue long in the kingdom in the midst of Israel. These were instructions for the king of Israel, for Ahab, not Jezebel. But what did Ahab do? So glad you asked. <laughs> he built a temple and sacrificial altar to Baal in the capital city of Samaria. He personally worshiped Baal. He, Ahab, king, erected a sacred pole to the consort of Baal, the goddess Astarte. Now don't get me wrong, Jezebel did some shady stuff. She really did. She was a schemer and she orchestrated some murders, but she did no worse than many leaders before or after her. Yet the male leaders were praised for their resourcefulness, their leadership, and their faithfulness. Jezebel was vilified. And about that makeup thing, I know you guys heard about it. She was not trying to seduce her would-be murderer, but she was being noble unto death. According to a womanist theologian that I highly recommend, Wilda Gaffney, there is no indication that women who marry into Israel are expected to convert, even when intermarriage are critiqued. The foreign spouses are not pressured to embrace the God of Israel. Jezebel has been faithful to her gods and to her husband. She does not use sex or sorcery to kill the Israelite prophets or take Naboth's land. She uses power and authority like any male monarch. From my research or exegesis, shout out to Dr. Marcus Allen for that one, <laughs> there is no doubt that biblical and later accounts distort Jezebel's portrait for several reasons. Her monarch power deemed unfit for a woman. Her reported devotion to Baal and Astarte cult. Her objection to Elijah and other prophets of Yahweh. Her education and legal know-how. 
and her foreign origin. The same passages that disclaim Jezebel as evil and immoral are witness to her power and the need of the prophets of that time and the writer of her story in 1 Kings to curb her power. Jezebel was a powerful, educated, and confident human, a woman not intimidated, intimidated by patriarchy. When she was confronted by the prophets of Israel, and especially Elijah, she did not cower or back down from her faith in her gods. Ergo, in the face of opposition, she stood ten toes down, head up, full chest, and no back. You can tweet that one. <laughs> and this, I believe, is the reason the writer of her story and those who have carried that story forward did not want her character to be fully and truly known. Now, don't get me wrong. I am not saying I align with Baal and the other gods of Jezebel. I am not saying that I support Jezebel's actions of murder and scheme. In fact, I absolutely do not. I am a true believer of Yahweh and a follower of Jesus the Christ. I believe actions have consequences and no one, no one is above the law. What I am saying is this, even those we fundamentally disagree with, those who have done some pretty awful things may, just may have good qualities worth emulating. When we lie, when we distort the truth, offer alternative facts about those with whom we disagree or just want to take advantage of or oppress, it's not the Jezebels or the person being maligned who should be scorned but those who lie and malign her and others. There's the, the, gotta get some water here, guys. That was an amen, go ahead and do it. Amen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the distortion of Jezebel that has been assigned to women who look like me, act like me, talk like me, and maybe even lead like me, has been and continues to be used to exploit, limit, oppress, minimalize, and manipulate, providing a scapegoat for bad and inappropriate behavior of others and a widget to use in our capitalist system. The rise of certain hip hop and certain rap music videos and certain reality shows have reintroduced the Jezebel stereotype by exploiting black women as seductive, loud, vicious, uber-lavish, unfaithful, unruly, and depraved. Listen closely. When you hear she is a strong black woman, what you may be hearing is she's Jezebel. She should be stopped. When you hear she's an angry black woman, you may be hearing she's a Jezebel. She's dangerous. When you hear she is a video vixen. You may be hearing she's a Jezebel. She seduces. And in our system, seduction sells, S-E-L-L-S. And to my white sisters, I know the labels have hit you too. So when you hear someone call you a feminist, 
It may not always be a compliment. It may be just them saying you're Jezebel. She wants total control of everything. From my own experiences, there is a heavy physical and psychological toll associated with coexisting with such images. Jezebel's story invites us all to consider her worthy attributes that have gone unnoticed and to reflect on our own prejudices and how we have been shaped by legend, fables, music, and the media. So to answer the big question, who is this Jezebel of the Bible, really? She was a princess who became queen, yet the writers of her story never called her queen. She was a foreigner. She was a leader. She was faithful to her gods and loyal to her husband. She was confident in her cultural identity and courageous in the face of danger. She was an influencer. She rejected patriarchy and religious harassment. Just like Jezebel's character has been relayed through the years, often distorted and incomplete, so has the character of many today who are labeled not only Jezebel, but felon, convict, incompetent, thug, worthless, loser, and other labels that tear one down, destroy them instead of building them up. But there is good news from the pews, friends. Our identity is in God. God knows each of us in our fullness. God knows our name. One day, we will know that new name given to us by God, a name that transcends whatever shame or regret or disappointments have been wrapped up in who you think you are, who others have said you are, or have called you. Names that tear you down, seek to destroy you, and not build you up. There is a very private and personal place of intimacy with God that brings hope, freedom, and joy that none can touch or taint or steal or take away. Until then, my friends, Ephesians 2.10 says, we are called God's workmanship, God's art, handmade, purposed, and fashioned for good things. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, our bodies are temples residences of the Holy Spirit. I am, we are, God's beloved. So my beloved siblings in Christ, I challenge you to give Jezebel a chance. Look beyond what you have been told or assume about others and see the whole total person. Consider their full story. You may be blessed or convicted by what you see. You may come to understand the need to redeem Jezebel. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you that you see us in our fullness and you love us still. We thank you that we are freed from the labels others have given us to destroy us and tear us down and not build us up. We thank you that we have this security in you. We thank you for your love, for your mercy, and for your grace. Help us to see others through the eyes of love and not through the labels others have given them. Help us to see ourselves through the eyes of love.
and not through the labels others have given us or the labels we have given ourselves. Help us to have the courage, the desire, and the will to listen to others intentionally, intently, and honestly, and to challenge each other with love. And when we are wrong, promptly admit it. We pray and ask that you give us the holy boldness to live as citizens within your kingdom as we wait for your kingdom to be manifested on earth as it is in heaven. These things we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.